We have to go back! everyone and welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and as you know it is time to gather the greatest heroes across multiple movies and bring them all together to fight the greatest threat leaving these guys behind we are reviewing the 1999 movie mystery men Mm. Or as I like to call it, the League of Extraordinary Mystery Men. Oh, nice. I don't know. I've never called it that in my life. But didn't it sound okay? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, you know what? That's much better. <laughs> I think that really sets the tone for this whole episode. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> in case you don't remember... Uh, in 1999, they made a movie called Mystery Men, uh, loosely based off of the comic book super team uh, created by Bob Burton. And they, interestingly enough, never had their own comic book until after this movie came out. They were just side characters inside of another comic book, which I think is just perfect. Yeah. So, Bob Burton created a comic called Flaming Carrot. Um, if you need a visual for that, close your eyes and imagine a carrot with a human body and flippers. And it's just a giant carrot head. Like, imagine a normal person, but with a, like, 12-foot carrot mask on his head. And the little green thing is just the flame that just keeps on going. <laughs> That's the comic that inspired this movie. So I'm going to dive in a little bit into the comic history just to give you a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mystery Men were the supporting cast of an underground superhero comic called, like I said, The Flaming Carrot. And the origin of The Flaming Carrot is that after reading 5,000 comics in a single sitting to win a bet, this poor man suffered a brain damage and appeared directly thereafter as the flaming carrot. Oh, he just jumped from normal to a human carrot. Well, the carrot is a mask, which doesn't make oh, any sense. Oh, I thought um, it was like a biological evolution. <laughs> Everyone knows that if you read 5,000 comics in one sitting, you get carrot head. I was like, was he like eating carrots while he was doing this? <laughs> so his mask has a secret compartment in it containing a nuclear-powered pogo stick. Uh, and the mask and pogo stick were invented by Dr. Heller of the Mystery Man. Mm. I got to say, uh, every new piece of information you're giving me about the flaming carrot makes it harder to picture the flaming carrot. I keep having to revise my mental picture <laughs> of what this could look like. It's probably exactly what you're thinking about. Mm. Uh, and so it was the late 90s. And so, you know, comic book adaptations were still up for grabs. And they said, this is too weird for us. Uh, and so they decided to make a movie about the mystery men. So the mystery men in the comics um, are very much, as the shoveler puts it, not your classic superheroes. We're not the favorites. We're the other guys. 
no relation. The Mystery Men are a team of second-string blue-collar superheroes who can't make the big leagues because of a variety of flaws. Either they have mediocre superpowers or ridiculous costumes, behavioral problems, and severe character flaws. And they are unable to find a major team that would take them, so they formed their own. Uh, they, in the comic, have the highest casualty rate because... Whoa. They are basically cannon fodder, uh, just designed to be sent out as a first line to just take the most hits uh, in the comic. So that is their comic book origin. And someone's like, put that on screen. <laughs> so it's like if there was a Star Trek episode where the entire crew were just red shirts. That is, I think that's the pitch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think that was the pitch. Uh, so... From the comic to film, Mr. Furious and the Shoveler were the only ones from the comic uh, to make it into the movie. Uh, Captain Amazing was created as a replacement for the Flaming Carrot, and there was kind of a very similar Captain Amazing type character in the original comic, um, but, you know, they just changed it to make it their own. This movie is a lot like a really popular Smash Mouth song. It's all stars. It stars Hank Azaria, Claire Forlane, uh, Janine Garofalo, Eddie Izzard, Greg Kinnear, William H. Macy, Kel Mitchell, uh, Lena Olin, Paul Rubens, Jeffrey Rush, Ben Stiller, Wes Study, and Tom Waits. And they make up the mystery men. It did not do well in the box office. It had a budget of $68 million and only made $33 million worldwide. That's and almost half as many millions. <laughs> it kind of came after the 90s superhero genre that we've talked about before on previous podcasts, how in the 90s, uh, kind of post-Batman Forever, there were a lot of changes in the superhero genre. Yeah, it was kind of a jump ball where DC was really in between their major projects. Like you, you mentioned Batman, like they kind of spun down that. This is pre-Batman Begins where they hit the hard reset button and Marvel saw an opportunity, Marvel Fox, both with like uh, X-Men and then um, Fantastic Four, I believe, was around that time as well. Maybe a little earlier, but this was Dark Horse's opportunity. And Dark Horse was like, well, we'd like to submit Mystery Men to kind of set the tone for some of this. And honestly, tonally, it feels like it could have fit in in a very specific way. And similar to how we had uh, just within Marvel alone for a long time, we are getting these very uh, comparatively serious superhero films. And then something like Guardians of the Galaxy comes out and you're like, oh, these films can be something different. Right. And Dark Horse offered that different flavor through Mystery Men. Uh, so it is interesting how they kind of fell into this pocket of the superhero world. And I would have loved to have seen what could have happened if Dark Horse had kind of made a name for themselves in these super bizarre uh, kind of superhero films uh, and just keep developing that style we're like all right you know dc is gonna be one thing you know marvel's gonna be another but have you seen this dark horse movie it's insane like it, it could have been a really interesting uh niche unfortunately they made half as many millions yeah yeah and when you make half as many millions you don't get a chance to 
do that again. No. It's like, but think about this. If we do it twice, we make the same amount of millions for one of them. <laughs> and so that's why we haven't really heard from Mystery Men since then. And the cast is like super busy. <laughs> Mystery Men Reunion Tour. It's just a real Arrested Development Season 4 scenario. Yep. We're just mm-hmm. going to green screen them all together. And now I'm going to share with you guys a couple of fun facts about the movie. Uh, so I thought that this was just really interesting. A number of the sets used in the film were the same sets used from Batman Forever. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I the mansion looked really familiar. Casanova Frankenstein's mansion so I could see that maybe being a Bruce Wayne thing. What it actually looked like to me was the mansion from Casper, where it's got that oh, wraparound yeah. staircase. I didn't look it up to see if they were the same, <laughs> but doesn't it look like it? It sure does. Yeah. Um, and the notorious group, the Not So Goody Mob, mm-hmm. was the actual hip hop group Goody Mob, which also features CeeLo Green, uh, yeah. which I thought was really cool. And. And one of the weirdest cameos I've ever seen, Michael Bay. Who is he? Michael Bay was a frat boy. He's the guy who said, can we bring our brewskis? I said, is that Michael Bay saying the most Michael Bay thing? (laughs) That was him. You know what? That checks out. (laughs) Uh, Which... Um, spoiler alert for headcanon, uh, Michael Bay's a supervillain. We'll get into this later. Um, um, and then another interesting thing that I found is that, uh, the shoveler. Yeah. With, uh, him being like, I shovel really well. It's his gift. More in this, shovel fighting was actually taught, uh, to most infantry through the end of World War II. Uh, mm. and the reason was because... You know, the infantry who were responsible for digging their own foxholes, uh, that their enemies probably wouldn't respect the, hey, guys, time out. I'm digging a foxhole. Uh, let me <laughs> Not go. cool, guys. <laughs> and so they actually learned shovel fighting as like a real thing. So I thought that that was really interesting. That is interesting. I'd like to talk a little more about that later. All right, and now we're going to go ahead and go into our reactions. So, Grayson, when was the first time that you watched this movie? So, I watched this movie in theaters. I remember being so excited for this movie uh, during the promotional stage, even. They had uh, different uh, posters, like huge, huge floor to ceiling posters that probably contributed to their overall budget. But,. Uh, <laughs> in the theaters of each of the different heroes. And as a kid, it was the first time I was really aware of an ensemble cast, like the concept of this is a movie about a lot of characters and not just one really main protagonist. And I, uh, I was so psyched for it. My brother and I used to like play act like we play act. Sounds like I'm 85 years old. (laughs) We used to play act as the different characters. And we loved it! Um, But we would pretend to be the shoveler or the blue Raja. Like we would we would reenact the movie. That's how just like kids play like they're Superman or Batman. uh, We were pretending to be the mystery men. And uh, this movie had a profound impact on just the way that I um, like thought about what a su- superhero was. And so I, I saw this in theaters. I think I saw it a couple times in theaters, actually, just asking my parents to take me back, which 
they are incredibly patient. And uh, I mean, I got it on DVD. I rewatched it. I've seen this movie more times than I remember. It's so great to see it, like knowing more about other comic books. And it just really makes me appreciate that this movie could exist at some point that they could make something like this. And I really do think the closest thing we have uh, to it today in, in a more mainstream sense is Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's just people who didn't fit in in their own social realms found a family with each other. And that is what keeps me watching this movie um, over the course of 20 years. So, because uh, I really do, I rewatch it like every couple of years. And uh, it, I think that the themes are, are fairly timeless in that sense. So, uh, yeah, I notice new things. I like am able to appreciate it for different reasons. But this this movie, at least for me, has an incredibly high rewatchability uh, factor. Yeah, I. So I. This is actually my first time watching this movie. That's bonkers, right? And. Because, you know, if there's anything that you would know about me, it's that I love me some Kel Mitchell, all that Keenan and Kel for life. Mm -hmm. And that that's how I knew the movie existed, even, is because Nickelodeon did a ton of promotions for this PG-13 movie. Um, <laughs> because Kel Mitchell did a music video for, like, they, they did the Will Smith model of, like, our actor has a hit song for you guys to hear. Um, it was like Kel Mitchell's like first and maybe only like like venture in like song career. Mm -hmm. And it was called Who Are Those Mystery Men? And I remember thinking, oh, cool. I'm going to totally see this movie. But it was before I had, uh, you know, chances to see movies by myself. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure my parents just never wanted to see it. Um, and then I think after it didn't perform as well, I, I just like, left my brain uh and so i didn't really ever get a chance to see it until now um and i thought it was really really fun i mean the concept has legs and uh i don't know if you guys remember the short-lived nbc show called powerless oh yeah but it reminded me a lot of that. And I'll also feature this in Recast Remake. There's a comic called Astro City that's one of the best superhero comics I've ever read. Because it's all about basically this. Like in a world of superheroes from a different perspective of either bystanders or different heroes you don't typically see. There's this one story where this kid moves to Astro City to become a sidekick. And like he hmm. like works um in the superhero bar so that he can like kind of get discovered and then he's like, "Hey, talk to this guy. You'll become part of this butler service that is specifically for superheroes." And then he gets in cahoots with this Batman type character and it's all about like the sidekick's perspective of being a sidekick to this Batman-like character. And it's really, really interesting. It reminded That's me a cool. ton of that. Yeah. Uh, so I I definitely love the concept of it. I, I'm just sad that this movie fell victim to the era of when it came out because I think it would have been more successful either earlier in the 90s mm -hmm. um, or if it would have shifted its tone a little in the earlier 2000s. Um, and, and I say shift the tone like more... 
uh, because there was actually a lot of argument between the cast about like what the comedic tone would be for the movie. Uh, Paul yeah. Rubens, uh, Hank Azaria, um, a third guy, they all kind of conflicted on what the tone should be. And I think that the movie kind of suffered a little from that. But I think if they would have um, gone for a more straightforward um like direct parody i think it would have done really really well yeah because i you mentioned the the different like comedy styles within it that's actually part of what i love about the movie is that you can have william h macy's deadpan super sincere delivery of outlandish dialogue and at the same time you have the very childish uh sophomoric humor of the spleen and you have like very different styles butting up right against each other and it my interpretation of it was always that it was just the voice of the characters like i i loved that these characters didn't feel or sound the same as each other where you get some of the like current superhero mashups where you're like all these heroes sound like they were written by the same person yeah um mystery men i guess that's part of why the characters felt so kind of grounded to me at least was they, they felt like either they were improvising their own lines or just the, uh, the, the perspectives, I guess it is, the perspectives were so distinct that I, I like, oh, I know exactly how they feel and they are voicing it in a comedic way that feels unique to that character. Um, but that makes for a really hard sell whenever you are... Uh, kind of exploring so much new territory in the the late uh 90s you know like there it's just a really weird time to make that your kind of flag in the sand if that is a phrase i've maybe heard it before. look at that flag in the sand <laughs> well they line in the, the sand <laughs> just flag i don't know what the saying is well they definitely put a flag in the sand but as unique as their powers were their senses of humor was their true superpower. Oh, you did it. Put a bow on it. Put a bow in the sand. <laughs> Ricky, I'd like to try out a new segment that I uh, thought of while scrolling through the menu of my Mystery Men DVD. It's a segment I like to call Control-Alt-Delete. This is where creative control led to alternate endings and deleted scenes. Nice. So, Mystery Men has a ton of deleted scenes. Uh, very worth watching. And you can find them all on YouTube at this point. But they, uh, the movie is over two hours long. I think it's two hours and one minute. And that's over long. Over two hours. Over two hours. Still technically over two hours. So, there are some really great deleted scenes that I assume were cut for time. Um, and a, a lot of them explore kind of the everyday nature of what these characters go through. Like you get to see the shoveler at his, uh, job in the sewers with like at a construction company, which kind of makes more sense why he has some of the equipment that he does. Uh, you get to see the blue Raja Jeffrey is at, um, he sells these like wedding silverware to couples. And so he like, is analyzing the balance and like trying to, to sell it to, to this couple that's getting married. And so you get to see uh, really just more flavor around these characters. Um, what's really interesting is there is a, a whole very 
like solid comedic scene with Louise Guzman of community fame uh, <laughs> where they are trying to track down the Sphinx. And so they go to the this taco place where they're like, we hear that if you order a specific combo, you will uh, gain access to the Sphinx. And so, but they don't know what the combo is. And so they're playing this kind of like secrecy speakeasy type game with Luis Guzman ordering this food. And they end up just ordering a ton of Mexican food, trying to like gain access to the Sphinx. Um, the interesting thing about this scene though, is at the end you, it's the only time you really get to see the Sphinx without his mask. Oh. Um, and you see what he really looks like. And it makes more sense as to how he found them in the alley in the first place. Um, that he he kind of was watching from afar. He's a busboy at this this taco place, and so he's like clearing the table and was overhearing what they were saying, and then follows them and tracks them down. So there's like these interesting uh, side scenes that could have fit into the final cut, but would have ultimately made this movie like two and a half hours. I mentioned uh, you get to see the shoveler at his work you also see more at his home and you you learn that the other two kids that he has not the cute adorable kid who says Mm -hmm. i believe in you daddy but the other two kids the reason that the i believe in you daddy line is so powerful when you watch these deleted scenes is his other two kids do not respect him they um basically do a parody of the superman uh it's a bird it's a plane thing um but very demeaning uh, things that they're saying. And he tells them, he's like, kids, please don't do that. It hurts my feelings when you do that. And he just has no respect from his family, um, except for his youngest son. So that's kind of heartbreaking. But when you see him at work, um, he basically is telling Roy, he's telling Mr. Furious, like, I quit. Like, I I, I told my wife I was going to quit and that we talk about it and I, I'm out. And uh, I'm going to use a mini quote corner within this Control-Alt-Delete segment because there is such a great scene, uh, this particular scene between Shoveler and Mr. Furious, where Mr. Furious is reminding the Shoveler of the oath that he took. And the the mystery men oath that they swore to each other um, at a certain bar downtown, as they refer to it, is... I swear that I will fight crime and oppose injustice in any form at any hour. And if I ever break this oath, a brick should fall from a building of great height and chip a little chunk off my skull. And my brain gets exposed to the oxygen and I die. That is the mystery men oath. That's the greatest oath I've ever heard. So I highly recommend you go through and just search for Mystery Men deleted scenes if you enjoy this movie because it adds so much to it. One thing, and this is the alt part of Control-Alt-Delete, there was an alternate ending where um, it's the same kind of scenario where they have the vortex going in the middle of the the mansion, um, but they're all kind of getting blown back. And that's why... Ben Stiller has the idea of, oh, group hug. Like, we 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 all have to join together. And, well, the Sphinx is, is trying to help, too, more so. And he's like, those blown apart are, like, easily – or those separated are, are easily blown apart and things like that. 
And everyone's like, I don't understand. What are you saying? That's when Ben Stiller gets it. And he was like, group hug. And so he's like, yeah. Um, So they all join together. But instead of throwing the bowling ball down there, they use the canned tornado. Okay, thank you. So that's why the tornado just appears at the end uh, in the the vortex there. They... They just pull it out and throw it in there. But if you watch this scene, you're like, okay, they just used all the tools that Heller gave them. And except, I guess that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Except for, because I was just like, that, that's a real Chekhov's t- can tornado. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they just, I mean, in the final cut, it just seems like they used it to convince them in a non-lethal way that his machines worked, his inventions could help them. But in this alternate scene, they they just throw the tornado in there. I am so glad, though, that they went with the scene they did because the the emotional resonance of her believing that she's sacrificing her father, it, it's much more impactful. And the best victories in film come at great personal costs to the characters. And you feel that there's a personal... Like, this is a, a goodbye. She didn't know that her dad would get out. She... It's very possible he could have just melted in there. So it, it has more weight to it, being able to say, like, the dad is just much a character as the bowler herself, and or any one of them, really. And to sacrifice that character was a much stronger ending. But the the tornado effect is still in there. It just looks like part of the vortex, and that was how they they used it. But, yeah, all of that is in an alternate take, um, that it's actually a much like campier scene. It doesn't have as much of a climax to it as the as using the father um, uh, to kind of save the day. But uh, tons of deleted scenes for Mystery Men, alternate endings, uh, and I highly recommend you search them out on YouTube if you enjoyed this movie. But that is uh, my take on Control Alt Delete. Very nice. I like it. Thanks. Um, I also, when I heard All-Star, I was like, oh, yeah, this is one of those All-Star movies. Not, well, sorry. Well, not no, no. only one of those All-Star movies, this movie premiered All-Star on the Mystery Men soundtrack really? months before All-Star even came out. Um, in fact, the original All-Star music video was very, very much a Mystery Men inspired uh Hmm. but then they actually replaced footage when the song became more popular than the movie yeah i had no idea because all-star kind of has always been around in my life Mm -hmm. um and so i I don't i never really knew where it started but i was like oh it's one of those movies that uses all-star it's like this is a regular shrek or rat race finale All right, now it's time for us to launch our own superhero. A superhero known as Headcanon. Headcanon. It's a non-lethal headcanon. It's a non-lethal headcanon. This superhero finds unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on the evidence provided by the film. The idea was that anyone could be headcanon. (laughs) Headcanon was a symbol. So my biggest piece of headcanon uh, mm-hmm. is where this is set in relationship to other superhero movies. Okay. Uh, 
this movie, I want to say, is set more so in the DC world than um, right. of like super villain or like super. Yep. He- mm. Of like the oh, are they super world. villain movies too? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they all later go on to be super villains. They say, "Uh, well, there are no heroes left. I guess let's <laughs> rule the world." Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, I just think it's placed more because it has more of a Gotham feel yeah. to it than a uh, Marvel feel to it. Maybe because of their insane asylum is like a very Gotham thing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And also the set usage, so <laughs> right there's also that, and so I think that's the major piece of headcanon that I have um, around it is that it's set inside of another city where there would be you know a a couple of like really prominent superheroes and then just some other lamos who are all <laughs> trying to be like the Justice League. That's good. I like that. It's actually very close to what I landed on because I was I always try to connect this back to the Marvel Universe if possible, um, like with Iron Giant. And there were a ton of similarities between these characters because I was like, Mr. Furious is like the Hulk without the science or Iron Man without the money. It's like, and then you have Blue Raja. It's basically Hawkeye with forks. And <laughs> you mentioned the shovel fighting from World War II. And as it is, like the shoveler is very much like Captain America. Even his soundtrack, as he's giving speeches, have that World War II style kind of anthem to him. And so instead of wielding a, a shield, his shield is a shovel. Um, and then like the bowler has a very Thor-like way of using the the ball instead of a hammer. Uh, and she has daddy issues, just like <laughs> Thor. Just but like Thor. Other than those character types, I couldn't really connect the story to it. So I turned to DC uh, as well. But my headcanon is that this is a a, a Watchmen erstwhile uh, where Ooh. you had the original, like the older Watchmen during the, the first reign of them. And then in that period where they didn't really have heroes, these were some of the the kind of substitute heroes that picked up the slack other than Captain Amazing, who likely would have been uh, maybe rejected from the Watchmen just because he was like too commercial and in it for the wrong reasons and kind of epitomizes why the original Watchmen fell apart to some degree. Um, And so after that initial period, the Mystery Men step up and have these adventures um, now, to make this headcanon real dark, uh, basically all of the other heroes kind of die out except for Mr. Furious. Uh, so one way or like he basically sees the death of all of his friends um, over future adventures. Like you said, they're cannon fodder, like they have varying degrees of ability, like all it takes is for someone to look at the invisible boy and he's in a real bad spot. Um and so this, because he has like an emotional instability, it basically fractures the mind of Mr. Furious to the point that he like hides his face, keeps the, the outfit, but turns into Rorschach. And oh. 
it's not till much later that he's able to team up with a new crew. But at that point, his anger has just eaten away at his mind so much that he he's just a live wire and uh, can't really fit in with most people. Um, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here stuck with, in with me. me. But in in his desire to have like a crew again, he yeah. joins the new iteration of the Watchmen. Nice. Grayson, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, or a ledge. I'm going to go on something very short and narrow and say, I think that's your best headcanon you've (laughs) ever done. Thanks. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to go into the part of the show where we talk to you about recasts and remakes. Recast, remake. There's so much to recast in this. Oh my gosh! And uh, yeah, so um, Grayson. Yeah. Uh, I my list is pretty short. Um, okay. But it's still a long list, so I, I'll I'll start us off. So okay. Um, just for the recast part. Uh, for Mister Furious, Keegan Michael Key, I, oh, nice. him or Kevin Hart. I feel like Kevin Hart is too perfect of casting um kevin hart would be amazing uh like i could just see him saying all right see what you see you messed up now and then him just like getting just punched in the face just like oh okay all right so you found my only weakness uh, fist uh <laughs> uh invisible boy uh marcus scribner uh you might know him as junior on blackish um, oh yeah and shoveler brian cranston <laughs> <gasps> That's who I had. Yeah. Uh, I'm the I one shovel who well. shovels. <laughs> uh, the Spleen, Sasha Baron Cohen, or oh. Martin Short. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. I like Martin Short. Then for the bowler, Kristen Bell, mm-hmm. Blue Raja, David Tennant. I had that at first, too, and then I changed it. <laughs> There's just so many times where he like just sounded like the tenth doctor. I'm just like, well, and they got the same shoes too. Oh yeah, yeah, red yeah. converse. <laughs> yeah, the weird conceit would be David Tennant doing the American accent, right? On the off, you're like, oh wait, <laughs> like, oh what? What is? He's like an English actor pretending to be British. It would have been confusing. People wouldn't have been ready for it. <laughs> uh, Captain Amazing, Vincent Rodriguez the third. You might know him better as Josh Chan on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, he just looks like a superhero in his everyday life. Square-jawed, just dreamy. Look him up if you don't know who I'm talking mm. about. He is amazing. And then uh, Casanova Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Bill Hader. Mm. Yeah. Now, yeah. Bill Hader, I feel like I would... I know he could play it up more comedically, uh, but I also Don't. think he could be terrifying. Uh, yeah, so, he could be real creepy. So that I'm, I'm just going to stick with my recast for now, and I'll get to remake soon. Sure. All right. Um, so for Mr. Furious, I had John Hamm. <laughs> yes. uh, he's able to kind of capture the intensity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Cranston I also had for The Shoveler. Uh, for the Blue Raja, so I had David Tennant. I changed it to Matt Smith. Nice. <laughs> so, doctor to doctor. Um, and then the bowler, Kate McKinnon. Yes. Um, she would be fantastic. For Invisible Boy, I had Kenan Thompson. Yeah! I really just... 
went the other way. Yes. Um, and then for the spleen, I had Tony Hale. Oh yeah. Um, from Arrested Development, but I also kind of love the idea of keeping it in the realm of a star of a child show uh, coming back and doing a different kind of role. So I recast it with Steve from Blue's Clues. Yes! Uh, for the Sphinx, Andre Brewer from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Captain nice. Holt. Nice, yes. Uh, Captain Amazing, I had Bradley Cooper. Uh, I think he could play that kind of he could play both sides of the personality of Captain Amazing. Totally. Um and then uh Casanova Frankenstein, I had Benicio del Toro. Um because it's really not that uh, yeah. different than the collector. Um he, he could do it and he can he, he would have some creepy mannerisms that he could work into it. Yeah. And then uh finally for Tony, the disco henchman, I just wanted to see another stand up comedian do it and I had Ricky Gervais. <laughs> He would basically just be Ricky Gervais loving disco. Yep. Yeah. Which it could just be Ricky Gervais. <laughs> Maybe he does. I don't Maybe know. He I don't know much really about Ricky Gervais this. and his musical preferences. If you know about Ricky Gervais's <laughs> musical preferences, let us know on Twitter. We're at Flashback Flicks. All right. So now for the remake part, Netflix original series. It just needs to happen. Um, yeah. I'm going to share with you guys. Um, something that shouldn't come as any surprise to longtime listeners uh, of me. Uh, love me some Power Rangers. There is literally a season of Power Rangers called Power Rangers SPD. The Power Rangers in this series um, are like a police force, and like the Power Rangers are like the A team. Uh, then the A team uh, basically uh, gets kidnapped or disappear or whatever, and then they're like, well. We need to call the B team, and it's finally all these guys like we get to be Power Rangers, uh, and that's basically what I would uh, love to see the series be is like just like all the major superheroes in all these different cities, or even just like it can just be you know um, this one city, but uh, I then just all the different heroes from these different cities and how. The mystery men are like a like mystery men east or you know different kind of teams and just see them just be terrible or maybe even surprisingly good at like fighting crime like they say oh you hear they're having an audition for the next uh captain amazing and then like they have like an American Idol audition um, oh man that'd be great right or maybe even there's an episode where uh it's everyone's day off. Uh, and crime just is ridiculously high, and the, it's them trying not to fight crime. I just think mm. that they have so much to work with, uh, with the concept of it, especially if they, uh, I mean, we've seen what they can do with Marvel Netflix series shows, and yeah. I think if they, if they basically said, all right, we're going to build, okay, we're going to build a comedy in this world, I think it would just take off and do really, really well. Or make it super gritty. Oh, man. Yeah, make it real gritty and actually weave the Mystery Men world in with the Purge. (laughs) Tonight, the people of Champion City need us. There are no laws. We become the law. I love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but just the idea of a team of superheroes that have to protect the innocence against the purge. There you go. Very they nice. They can make those forever. They're going to do it anyway. Right. But yeah. you can make them forever. Uh, no, I, I love that. I, Netflix would be a great venue for, for something like this. Um, I... The, for my remake, I, I would love it if one of our casts remade it. Uh, the only ask is that at the end of the movie, they do a Sandlot-style voiceover of how they all kind of split up and where they are now. Where they're like, the Blue Roger went on to own a string of mini malls. Uh, <laughs> the spleen got really into protesting. We didn't hear much from him after that. <laughs> the shoveler? Well, he shuffled everyone's grave. Real sad. Real sad. And the invisible boy, the Jet Rodriguez, went on to star in baseball games. Do you star in baseball games? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I was a theater kid. Uh, yeah. There's just so much you could do with this property. And like cycling in and out these different heroes, even like the, the Guardians could do. Um, where there have been multiple casts of Guardians of the Galaxy throughout the years. Like, this is just every hero that they met at that barbecue could potentially tie back in. So, yeah. No, I think that's 100% the way to go. A lot to work with. Oh, I didn't recast Heller. Um, Yeah, neither did I. Let's say Morgan Freeman. (laughs) As far as I'm Everything concerned, it's the way is all this belongs to you. <laughs> I'm glad we both immediately thought, yeah. <laughs> now's the time to go into a Morgan Freeman impression. Yeah. Oh, you're doing a Morgan Freeman? I was doing a Lucius Fox impression. Right, right, right. With Heller lines. Uh, I come here for the ladies, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> all right, now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the 1999 movie mystery men so i recommend mystery men because it is all about teamwork and leadership and actually in one of those deleted scenes after their first victory with the the limo there's a private conversation between uh the shoveler and mr furious where they're talking about the the only thing this team really needs to be successful is leadership and teamwork and those themes are uh reiterated in in future scenes but it's a group of people that none of they all realize none of them can go out and be um, a Captain Amazing type superhero on their own. They realize that their only strength is each other and being together. And uh, that, that's so powerful. Like that is the kind of theme that is so applicable in everyday life of being like, I'm not a superhero, but I have strengths. And when I combine those strengths with with a team, with other people, when I become part of something larger than just me, then I have the potential to uh, make change for good. And uh, it's just, it's fun. It's pro- like, it's got different uh, comedic stylings. So there may be some characters that resonate more with like the shoveler to me is one of the the, the greats. Like I, I just love everything William H. Macy does with this character. Um, but at the same time, I can enjoy some of the different comedic choices in this movie as well. And so in that sense, there's like a comedic something for everyone. It feels like, but um, ultimately the, the heart of this movie uh, 
rests on the dynamic between uh, the shoveler and Mr. Furious of, I mean, I just realized in, in saying it, I want nothing more than mystery men's civil war, but they, uh, they, they need each other and they recognize that by the end of this. And that that's just powerful. And all of the characters have something that they desperately want, which is why the characters feel so grounded despite their nonsensical powers, whether it's the relationship uh, between the father and daughter with the bowlers Uh, whether it's the invisible boy just wanting to be seen. There are these compelling arcs that all of them ultimately pay off. Even the spleen, who seems like the most basic level thing, he wants to be accepted. He's got this power that has created this stigma around him. He's this kind of like outcast in the superhero community. But everyone finds a home here and they, they find acceptance and they find uh they find their family and that that just resonates with me uh so i i recommend uh watching mystery men for those reasons i would recommend mystery men because i feel like superheroes are great they're fun they give us hope um and they make us really work on mustache removing technology. Um, But sometimes we all find ourselves on page two of Google search results where we are really desperate. We're really, really desperate. And the mystery men, that's where they lie in sheer desperation. Uh, And I really do honestly think that the concept of mystery men is great and it's really a fun movie. I mean, this movie really does make me want to see superhero stories in a different light because I think we're at a point in time where superhero stories are very much commonplace uh, and very much mainstream. And this movie shows that there's still ground to explore the superhero genre outside of what um, we've already seen. And it's fun. Uh, It's definitely funny. And um, it has the first appearance of uh, Smash Mouth's All Star, so that alone makes this movie an All Star. Because somebody once told them the world was gonna roll them, rule them, not roll them. It is roll them. them. Sorry, I, I was going on superhero thing. Oh, so oh! They make you for a second. You broke everything I knew. <laughs> they ain't the sharpest tools in the shed. Shovel. Uh, <laughs> it's shovel? <laughs> All right. And that is our review of the 1999 superhero movie, Mystery Men. Let us know what you remember about Mystery Men on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And if you are so inclined, let us know what your superhero name would be. Yeah. What would you be, Ricky? I would be the Mad Hatter. Oh, uh, and yeah, because you always wear hats, mm-hmm. and they I have different hats that could do different little tricks, oh, like arrow hat but with, tricks. Oh, maybe that nice. Maybe that'll be it. Or uh, yeah. the the mini hat her man. Now nah, we'll go, we'll stick with Mad Hatter, <laughs> and, and hope that that is not uh, trademarked. How about you? 
So I, I had a superhero personality for a sketch that you and I did a long time ago, yes. and I would probably just adopt that. Uh, his name is Bagman. Yes. The entire outfit is made from a duffel bag, and he has the power to pull himself into the bag to hide incognito and stow away in uh, tight places. And he has catchphrases like, carry on, or <laughs> zip it, you know bag stuff oh that's great love it love the the return of bag man <laughs> looks like we're gonna need some overhead and then they put him like on a plane <laughs> frank duffel was just a normal man <laughs> until one day he was pulled through the tsa security line x-ray then he merged with his luggage to become bag man Oh, that's fantastic. And it would really help us out if you would leave us a five all-star review on Apple Podcasts. really helps the show out. Let's people know that it's no mystery to what podcast is the starriest. I just kept on bringing it back to all-star. I'm so sorry. Hey, now, you're a five-star Oh, I sang it. No. We owe them so much money. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. <laughs>